You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Our second scripture this morning comes from the Psalms, Psalm 40. Let us listen to and for God's word. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would, not, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open your word to illumine our darkened world, that we may see clearly and live faithfully by the light of your truth in Jesus Christ. Amen. So my book club this month is reading The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. And I don't know, has anyone read this book? I'm just curious. Okay, a couple, yeah. So this novel was one of the best-selling books of 2021, and I'd read several of her other books, and so I was really excited to read it. And I promise I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but the story takes place during the Great Depression era. It begins in Texas, where the main character's family has been so beaten down by poverty and drought and dust storms that they finally decide to pack up their belongings and drive west to California in search of a better life. And so throughout this book, you follow Elsa, the main character, as she drives through the desert with her children, only to find out that life in California is not at all the land flowing with milk and honey that they had been promised. Throughout the journey, she encounters disappointment after disappointment, and the hardships just seem to get worse. And I, I couldn't put the book down, mainly because I was desperate to find out what happened next. I kept turning the pages, hopeful that things would look up for Elsa. I flew through the book in less than a week, but by the end, I can't say that I enjoyed reading it. It was 
difficult and downright depressing to read at times. But even though it was painful, there was something about this story that captured my mind and my heart that made me want to keep reading. It is truly a story of exile. And I think that as human beings, we cannot help but be pulled into these journey stories, as heart-wrenching as they might be. We get caught up in these narratives where hope prevails in the midst of struggle and adversity. There's something captivating about holding on to hope for a better life and a better future, even when it feels so far out of reach. Our scripture passage from Isaiah this morning speaks to many of those same themes. In the context of this scripture, God's people have been defeated and their temple has been destroyed. They've been exiled from Jerusalem, their home, and they're forced to travel hundreds of miles to an unfamiliar land. They're taken in chains to Babylon, alienated from their land and from their God. And so by this point, by the time Isaiah starts preaching to them, and they're hearing these words while in Babylon, many of them have never even seen Jerusalem. And they're beginning to doubt if they will ever return to their homeland again. The prophet Isaiah speaks of God's ongoing plan and purpose for God's chosen people in the context of exile that many imagined would never end. From the people's pit of despair, Isaiah has been called by God as a prophet to speak words of comfort and consolation to a people who are losing hope. He gives them a vision of something more. And then in our second text, I can imagine the words of Psalm 40 hitting close to home for those who are feeling lost and forsaken. Although we don't know much about the specific context of this psalm, we know that it is one of lament. The attributed author David begins with praise of God, but quickly moves into this plea for God to deliver him from distress. It's possible that he may have written this psalm during his own period of exile. David recalls the opening lines of the, in the opening lines of the times when God has delivered him in the past, saying that God leaned down to me. He listened to my cry for help. He lifted me out of the pit of death, out of the mud and filth, and set my feet on solid rock. And so I imagine David feeling comforted by the proof of God's deliverance in his life already, especially at a time when he's in need of saving again. The psalmist is in trouble once more, and he calls on God to help him again. David is feeling lost, scared, and alone, seeking rescue and safety from those who want his life. Both the Isaiah passage and Psalm 40 follow the same general flow of offering thanksgiving to God, expressing despair, but then still proclaiming a renewed sense of commitment to and trust in God. 
Even in challenging times, they rely on God to see them through. While they're enduring great struggle, they persist with hope that things will get better. With holy imagination, they can paint a picture of a better world in which darkness and despair do not have the final word. On this particular weekend, on MLK weekend, I cannot help but think about the parallels of today's scripture passages with the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and the ways that his faith sustained him in the midst of struggle. We know that Martin Luther King Jr. was deeply influenced by his Christian background and by his faith, which taught him to believe in the dignity and worth of all people. For King and for the black church as a whole, the civil rights movement was not seen as separate from the church's calling to live out the message that Jesus preached. And so throughout Martin Luther King's life, the church provided him with a spiritual center, a faith that sustained him and let him know that there was divine power at work in the world. Even when there was darkness, he could keep following the light. And so given this context, as I was reading through our scriptures this week, I could imagine Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King growing up hearing these words of scripture and being deeply influenced by these words. I can imagine King reading the words of Isaiah 49 and deeply resonating with them. Like Isaiah, I can imagine him feeling deeply called by God as a prophet to speak the words of truth and hope. And when King faced resistance and adversity, I can envision him reading Isaiah's words from verse 4 for encouragement. I'm going to read those again. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord, and my reward is with God. Because of King's strong Christian faith, He knew that he was not alone when his prophetic voice was rejected. He knew that even when things seemed hopeless, that God was faithful and that God was with him in the fight for dignity and equality for all people. And then I can imagine Dr. King reading through the words of Psalm 40 and using them as his own prayer of thanksgiving and plea for God's help. I want you to hear some of the same verses that we just heard this morning again, and imagine Martin Luther King Jr. praying them in his own voice. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. 
Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. We all know the famous first words of Martin Luther King Jr.'s most well-known speech. I have a dream. Dr. King could imagine a world as God intended it to be. And he knew that we were far from that vision. But what made him a prophetic voice was not only that he wasn't afraid to speak out about the pain and the suffering and the injustice that was all around him, but also that he was able to dream about something better. He drew strength for the fight for justice from his holy imagination that could envision a better world, one filled with more peace and love and compassion and kindness. The the scriptures gave King and give us hope of God's presence by reminding us of all the times throughout history when darkness and despair did not have the final word. Martin Luther King said that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And echoing a similar sentiment, Barack Obama said in his farewell address that yes, our progress feels uneven. For every two steps forward, it often feels like we take a step back. But the long sweep of America has been defined by forward motion. We have countless examples throughout history of those who wandered in exile and who witnessed the ways that God's promises led them to the other side. We see examples over and over of the ways that God has slowly pushed us forward. We see in our Christian story how faith and trust in God turned imagined possibilities into reality. We identify Isaiah as a prophet for God's people while in Babylon. And we name Martin Luther King Jr. as a prophetic voice during the civil rights movement. But I think the title of prophet often can feel really intimidating. Yet every one of us has the capacity to be a prophetic voice in our own way. Dr. Cornell West, who currently teaches at Union Theological Seminary in New York, said that to prophesy deliverance is not to call for some otherworldly paradise, but rather to generate enough faith, hope, and love to sustain the human possibility for more freedom. Each and every one of us has the ability to generate the faith and the hope and the love needed to make that vision of a better world a reality. The question that we have to ask ourselves is what do we imagine and hope for now? How can we, the people of God, work toward the vision our holy imagination dreams of? There were 15 of us from First Prez who recently completed a nine-week Just Faith program in the fall on faith and racial healing. 
And in each one of our sessions together, it included a time for us to brainstorm and to list ideas of how we were going to take what we were learning and put it into action. We called it the now what list. And throughout our nine weeks together, our list continued to grow as we imagined ways to make a difference in our community and in our world. Some of the ideas on that list were ideas like donate money to a historically black college in South Carolina, participate in the walks with the mayor every third Saturday of the month, tutor or be a mentor at a local school, continue learning about racial injustice, get involved with the Spartanburg Interfaith Alliance, and develop a friendship with someone who doesn't look like me. Throughout this process, we were able to imagine ways that we could join in the work of peace and hope and justice that God is already doing all around us. And it was exciting. So what do we imagine and hope for now? How can we, the people of God, work toward the vision our holy imagination dreams of? May we all together keep imagining how we can add to that prophetic story of God's enduring faithfulness. Thanks be to God. Amen.